0: Hello and welcome back to the Frogs of War podcast. I'm Anthony North, that's Russ Hodges, and we're here to talk all things TCU athletics. And tonight we're coming off, TCU has completed a 12-0 and regular season, undefeated regular season for the TCU Horn Frog football team. Uh, we're going to talk all things that uh, big-time win over Iowa State, looking ahead to the Big 12 championship against Kansas State. And all the basketball and volleyball that's taken place in the last week as well. Uh, Sorry we're getting this to you maybe a day late. Uh, You might be hearing this Friday morning, headed into uh, the game Saturday. So sorry we're. we're, I'm off on business travel. I'm I'm not at home. If you're seeing on YouTube, I've got some hotel decor here behind me. Um, But uh, thanks for thanks for sticking with us. And I guess Russ. How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm feeling good. Uh yeah, appreciate everybody's patience while we get this uh cooked up tonight. Dealing with a little bit of a sinus cold still came down with this past weekend. My allergies are kind of kicking my kicking my ass right now a little bit, but uh looking looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be a a really big game and um excited to break this all down for you guys and uh ready to get right into it. So
0: Yeah, I guess just Thinking about coming into the season, is this even possible? Was there anywhere on your thoughts, even in the most optimistic worldview, as a Horn Frog fan, that TCU would complete the regular season, even, even in the Big Twelve Championship? To be honest, I mean, twelve and zero, it's it's kind of unfathomable. It's it's amazing to to think about where this team has come from this point last year to to where we sit today
1: yeah no no question I did not envision this at all and I don't think many people did and you know Sonny Dykes making history as as the first uh first year head coach at TCU and first year head coach in the big 12 to go 12 and 0 uh just speaks to how historic the season has been and given how everything unfolded last year and all the turnover, all the roster turnover, a lot of new assistant coaches, um, I was hoping to see TCU just get to a bowl game. Um, If that meant going six and six or seven and five, then so be it. Just try and generate some kind of positive momentum to really start uh, getting this thing rolling and, it's just been unbelievable. I mean, we've talked about it on a week-in and week-out basis, how this team has found ways to win, and you're already starting to see some of those uh, fruits being being harvested, I guess, with with all the recruiting news, uh, some big-time recruits that are making their pledges to the program. And we just learned today there's going to be a significant uh, financial investment into the strength and conditioning facilities and some new football Facilities coming to to campus. So uh, it's been just amazing to watch everything unfold uh, this year and to just to watch the Iowa State game after so many weeks of close, close games and watching the Frogs find ways to grind it out. Um, It was really exciting to see TCU finally get that statement win. Um, I know Iowa State's four and eight and it might not be saying much looking at the team at face value, but uh, facing the number one defense in the Big 12 and scoring 62 points, I know two of those touchdowns were on pick sixes, but the Frogs completely dominated this game on both sides of the ball in all three phases, and uh, what a timely win it is, too, when all of the national headlines and all the national Media attention is beginning to ramp up about the college football playoff, uh, conference championship games coming up, teams jockeying for position in the top four, uh, big blue blood programs that are lurking on the outside in Ohio State and Alabama. So um, every style point, unfortunately, really matters at this phase of the season. And I hate to talk about style points, but it's – a nature of the business, um, as they say, but, um, yeah, just getting back to your original question about the season, no chance in hell. I mean, like I said, get to, if we would have gotten to the cheese at bowl again, I would have been happy with that. Just, just get something positive going.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And this Iowa say game was the most dominant game TCU has played this season. Uh, certainly, at least since uh, the Oklahoma game, and on on a weekend that saw LSU fall, Ohio State fall, Clemson fall, um, and some of those contenders who were who were creeping up behind uh, the Horn Frogs took losses, and and it gives a little bit of space to the frogs. But uh, you know, we'll we'll get into that as as we talk later on. But I think. Putting on this kind of performance, I don't think any of the national media are are actually poo-pooing this game. I think there there's a good respect for what it was to put this kind of performance on that Iowa State team. Despite uh, their record in the win-loss column, certainly Iowa State, with the best defense in the conference, top 10 in the country, allowing 16.5 points per game going into this contest... And, <laughs> yeah, the, I, I did see a lot of people like, oh, no, TCU's offense didn't score 62 points. Okay, so TCU's offense scored 48 points on the, uh, you know, number one defense that was allowing 16.5 points per game uh, through the season. It it was a, a a thorough dominant performance up and down. And also coming into the game, Xavier Hutchinson, the top receiver in the conference, averaging like 10 catches a game over a hundred yards per game is held to two catches for 11 yards against, against TCU's secondary. Just, just a absolute stunner of a performance there. I mean, he is a finalist for the Belenikoff and he, he just had, I mean, his worst game of his career against TCU. Just, you know, I, I think, TCU's defense was a little bit maligned at some points during the season, but you just kind of have to shout out as same as, you know, Bijan Robinson is a finalist for the Doak Walker award that TCU defense held him to 29 yards. Um, these are, these are elite players on the national stage that TCU is, uh, taken to the woodshed. So it, it, it's, it's great to see. And, yeah, we. I mean, we can get into the events of the day against Iowa State. Um, you know, Quentin Johnston went out there for the opening uh, the <laughs> the coin flip. Uh, he was captain on the field, and he was dressed fully. You know, available to play, and it kind of seemed like maybe he, he just wasn't needed, so he didn't have to play. Um, also, had no Tay Barber, so a lot of people had to step up, and and certainly did in this case. That opening drive um, kind of set the tone. Put put TCU in an opportunity with you know a fourth down in an easy field goal range where you know you could put those quick points up on the board with uh, with the hero Griffin Kell coming off his his big kick and Sonny Dyke says no we're we're going to go out and take this touchdown here um, on, on a fourth down there in the red zone. That completely fooled that Iowa State defense. The the play action, uh, kind of pop pass to to, to Aquarius, Spivey, wide open in the end zone. Duggan hits him just right. He gets it over that defender that's that's trying to uh, to recover, and uh, things were off to the races right from the start.
1: Yeah, TCU came out offensively. I thought they attacked the the middle of that defense. Really well. I love that fourth down call. I love the play action. Max fakes the handoff, tucks the ball, and Iowa State's front just collapses and allows Jaquarius Spivey to run right over the middle and score that touchdown. And we talked last week about how with these skill players banged up, uh there were gonna be some opportunities for some complimentary guys like a Spivey or uh uh Jordan Hudson or Jared Wiley or even like a Blair Conright, to, to step up and make some plays in this game. And I think this was Jaquarius Spivey's best game as a, as a Horn Frog. Had three catches for, for 43 yards and uh, made some really nice plays over the middle of the field. And then uh, TCU's defense comes right out. Jamoy Hodge gets a sack on that first Iowa State drive to force a punt. And it, it was, like you said, TCU was just off to the races from that point on. I mean, Kendray Miller was able to break outside, For a long touchdown run, Um, you have the Miller-Bradford pick six at the end of the first quarter on on the first play of that drive. It went from 10-0 to 24-0 in a matter of two minutes, and we weren't even out of the first quarter. And I I hate to say that the game was over after the first quarter, but it really felt like it sort of was. Um, Although I will give the Cyclones credit for going for it on fourth down and Hunter Deckers rolls out to his left and... Makes a spectacular No idea
0: how one. he made that play. Amazing play.
1: An amazing play, yeah, to Hanukkah for that touchdown. Um, I thought he might have been out of bounds when he caught it. It was an awesome play. Undoubtedly their best play of the day, but it, it just didn't matter. Um, Max Duggan was uber-efficient in this game, had 17-24, completed for 212 yards and three touchdowns. TCU played mistake-free football all the way through. Griffin Kell hits a 54 yarder. He's uh, two for two on field goals in this game. And we talked also last week about the defense. Uh, putting TCU's offense in short fields to uh, lessen the burden of going up against that top ranked defense. How about just scoring two touchdowns? That makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah. When yeah. you're able to get two pick sixes and Josh Newton. Uh, of course, it's Josh Newton putting the exclamation point at the end of the game. Just the, the heartbeat of the team right now. If you watch the Carter Boys docuseries, you would understand that. Um, I, I, this game could not have gone better for, for TCU. As, as a program and as a fan watching the game, they were able to rest everybody that they needed to. Uh, Sonny Dykes has talked about How Quentin Johnston in practice looks fresh. Kendra Miller said he feels fresh because he didn't have to carry the rock so much in this game. So the Frogs are going to be at full strength uh, going into the Big 12 championship game. And that's a huge plus that this this team that has played, I believe, this is going to be the 11th game in 11 weeks coming up on Saturday. They're feeling pretty fresh. At least the, the, the main skill guys are on the offensive side um but defensively i don't think you could have asked for for much more in, in this game
0: yeah it was <laughs> really defensively also took them right to them right from the start i mean uh yeah the sack on the first drive so start the game two drives two three and outs two punts one total yard for iowa state one yard and <clears throat> and then the third possession for Iowa State is an interception, uh, for a touchdown. So yeah, I was, I was trying to get like a tweet off or something in the game thread where, you know, I was trying to give, oh, TCU's already at 17 points in the first quarter, more than what Iowa State gives up all season. And I couldn't even type it out before Miller Bradford was walking into the end zone with, with the pick six to, to turn it to 24. Yeah. Uh, and yes, it definitely felt like that game was over at that point. Uh, Iowa State was not going to endure the the level of effort that TCU was. At, at once, it was pretty clearly out of reach. Um, you know, another great day for Max Duggan. Uh, the three touchdown passes, and he doesn't play the fourth quarter at all. Um, you know, it, it's his stats for the season. And, you know, we'll probably talk about his Heisman chances. I think TCU kind of more or less formally began the Heisman campaign for, for Duggan uh, here late this week. And, um, you know, it may be a little too little too late uh, for, for Duggan and for the campaign, but in any case, you know, he, doesn't play obviously the first half of the Colorado game, doesn't play fourth quarters against Tarleton or Oklahoma or Iowa state. And he's still over, uh, 3000 yards, 29 touchdowns passing. Um, you know, he leads the big 12 in passing and in passing touchdowns. Uh, just just an incredible season for, for Max Duggan that, um, you know, it's, it's hard not to just be super proud of, of him and, and thankful that he stuck around and that he's the kind of person that he is to, to continue to put in that effort and, and lead to this incredible season that he's giving to TCU and, and leading this team to this undefeated record thus far.
1: Yeah. TCU football put out a really nice video on Twitter that LT had the, had the joy of narrating and it was really, uh, Uh, a nice listen for, for those who may be unfamiliar with what Max has gone through throughout his career. And us TCU fans, we, we know what he's been through, so we understand it already. But um, I think what has kind of stood out to me, and I think it stood out in this game, his two touchdown passes to Savion Williams and Jordan Hudson in the second half were really nice, nicely thrown balls. And, I think it was the the Savion Williams touchdown where Duggan makes the read, but he he anticipates because there's a defender there. He's got to wait for the def- he's got to wait for the route to develop, and for the defender to get out of the way before he throws the ball, and the timing of the play is just spot on. I mean, those are the kinds of plays that he has made this season, and it's been nice to see some of that development, when you talk about just a player as a quarterback, it's not just chucking the ball deep down the field and saying, F it, QJ's down there somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's made some really nice throws over the middle and throws where only his guy can catch it, uh, in the red zone over the middle of the field. So it's, it's been really nice to see that. And, I definitely believe after the Baylor game that he punched his ticket to New York for the Heisman ceremony. Um, I I think to be completely honest, depending on how things shake out this weekend, I believe I said last week my my top four candidates were Blake Corum, uh, C.J. Stroud, Max Duggan, and Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams right now is probably the front runner for the award, but
0: by a lot. I think he's a he's a clear front runner, no doubt. Yeah.
1: And I think that's absolutely fair. But I also believe that should USC lose against Utah and maybe Caleb Williams struggles and Max Duggan has a really nice performance in a a Big 12 championship win against Kansas State, people might start thinking about it a little bit more. I know Caleb Williams obviously has the stats right now, but it'd be really difficult to look away from 13-0 and a conference championship uh, as opposed to 11-2. and two. And of course those are hypotheticals, but regardless, all of the awards, the the, the nominations for finalists, uh, Walter Camp Player of the Year, Davey O'Brien Award, he won the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award, uh, Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, First Team All Big 12, everything so well deserved uh, for Max Duggan and and I, I guess just one more note on the Iowa State game, at least from my standpoint, the mistakes that the Cyclones made. And we've kind of poked fun at Iowa State throughout the year when we've talked about some of the scores in the Big 12 and how there have been so many one-score losses and they seem to invent new ways to lose football games. And you look at what happened in this game, Jace Gilbert misses two field goals wide left that could have potentially made a bit of a difference Uh, The two interceptions that are returned for touchdowns, Keon Stewart forces a fumble, sticks his helmet right into the ball and forces a fumble. Uh, Tymon Mitchell picks it up. So those are just the things that I believe on the broadcast they were talking about how Iowa State is snake bitten. Mm. Those are just bad football plays. Like you can't win games that way. That's why you're four and eight. And have there been some unfortunate moments? Absolutely. But. Should
0: they have beat Texas? Most definitely, they should have beat Texas. They mm-hmm. had that game won. But yeah, yeah, good football teams. That's those aren't the plays that you make, and and that's how you win or lose a football game. Is is kind of on those margins, and TCU more than took advantage of of the margins in that one, and uh, pretty much all around. Um, and even even when all of the uh, all of the starters had already left the game and you know, backup defense is in the game. Um, you know, they, they give up a few runs, but that offense takes the ball and drives on down the field and it's, you know, uh, this TCU team was not going to allow the final game uh, of the regular season against Iowa State. End with a score of 55 for TCU, like it was in in 2014. Uh, after that last game, it, it felt like a little bit of a uh, a bad omen. I, there there were a lot of comments in, on Twitter and in the in the game thread of just like, oh no, here we are at 55. Just like people are so uh, nervous and and scared about this playoff situation. But you know, I think it was nice to see Chandler Morris get that drive. And really make a nice throw uh, to Jordan Hudson there uh, for Hudson's second touchdown of the game. Um, You know to see that even with without Duggan on the field, without Quentin Johnston on the field, and all the all the starters that even the second unit could still take it to what was the best defense in the conference.
1: Yeah, I think this is a a perfect situation for TCU going into Big 12 championship weekend and that your team is playing with a lot of confidence. Your team is healthy. Uh, Sonny Dykes actually talked about how a lot of the guys were sick before the Baylor game and that was a, an interesting little tidbit to hear about that. He said in the press conference that 15 to 18 guys came down with a, some kind of an illness uh, that week and they they kind of they, they rolled into Waco, uh, not really knowing what to expect in terms of their health and everything, but uh, you have to believe that the, the locker room is feeling good right now. Um, huge game coming up, obviously, but uh, players playing with a lot of confidence, and I think that's a really important factor as we now look ahead to, to the conference championship game.
0: All right, with that, um, we'll, we'll move on from the Iowa State game. We're now nearly a week uh, removed from it. So, you know, the, <laughs> it's we're, we're already on to the, the conference championship week. But just to close out the final week of the regular season, um, again, no stakes for bowl games. So all the teams that could make bowl games already had reached their sixth win, and um, while Iowa State and West Virginia could not, um, that didn't mean that uh, they weren't playing hard. Because West Virginia' uh, third-string quarterback comes and takes down Oklahoma State, um, you know, to to kind of put a final damper on on that Cowboy season. Uh, certainly, obviously, Kansas State took down Kansas to earn that final bid into the Big Twelve Championship with a win over Kansas. Uh, 47 to 27 on Black Friday. Texas took down Baylor 38 27. I think um, you know it, it'll be interesting to see where Texas ends up even after this conference championship week. Um, I, I think Texas will will see a lot of. Regret in their season, maybe, you know, to, to fall in the way that they did to Alabama early in the season, um, and, and to fall in, in such a close game at the end to, to TCU in the end, uh, I, I think, I think they're going to feel like going into next year. Oh yeah, everything's fine. Um, but you know, I think it's pretty clear Bijan John Robinson, that was his last game, uh, it probably, I don't know if he's announced yet, but I can't imagine he plays in a bowl game, uh, for Texas that, that he'll go on and move on to, to the NFL draft process. Um, so th- there'll be a little bit of starting over for the Longhorns, but I think it's, you know, no matter what they're going to, uh, consume a lot of the oxygen of, of national media conversation and Arch and come into town and, Uh, you know, the, the quarterback competition that is sure to begin there as Quinn Ewers kind of struggled much of this season there in Austin. And I guess Hudson Card has already announced a transfer portal. Is that, is that correct? Did I see that? So, um, should be interesting off season as always, uh, for the Longhorns. And then the other one that is, is pretty fun here. Texas Tech takes down Oklahoma in overtime, um, kind of a complete failure from oklahoma to to even be in this situation but um you know good for texas tech i'm happy for them i think it's it was one of those awful days for oklahoma fans as they see spencer rattler thriving they see lincoln Mm -hmm. riley thriving caleb williams thriving meanwhile they're losing to texas tech uh just you hate to see it for the sooners
1: and Dylan Gabriel throws for 440-plus yards and six touchdowns in that game and uh, still find a way to lose on a field goal that may or may not have been good. I guess we'll <laughs> never know. But, um, yeah, a really a really fun last weekend in the Big 12. Uh, Texas and Baylor. Baylor actually held the lead late in that game, and Texas took every play, every Piece of paper in the playbook that had a pass play on it and just threw it out. They they had 22 consecutive run plays.
0: Bijan Roshan only. Yeah.
1: Yep. That 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 shows you how much confidence they have in Quinn Ewers at the quarterback position right now. And not to not to dog on the kid because he's a young kid, Uh, a lot of expectations, a lot of weight on his shoulders. But um, unfortunately, I don't think that's really going to uh change going into the off season um and especially with Bijan Robinson like you said likely playing his last game as a Longhorn and listen you're a running back you got to keep those legs fresh mm-hmm. as as long as you can um given how the shelf life of those players has decreased significantly once you get into the league um do what's best for you Bijan uh, if you need to sit out this bowl game, if it's the Alamo Bowl, I think it might be the Alamo Bowl since Texas is the third-place team in the Big 12. Um, might get a good Pac-12 matchup and uh, just enjoy it. Enjoy it from the sidelines. Enjoy the experience. Keep those legs fresh, and the Bear Bears hopefully will come calling for you in the third round.
0: <laughs> yeah, third. He's not making it to the
1: third round. <laughs> we go ahead and say that.
0: Um, all right. So with that uh college football playoff the penultimate the second to last college football playoff the last one of the meaningless television made for TV uh shows that that uh ESPN trots out there uh before selection Sunday this coming Sunday uh had TCU at number 3 in in the playoff ranking moving up with Ohio State's nasty loss to Michigan uh at home so you know I I don't I think whatever happened in that game TCU was going to move ahead of that that team and um with all of the other things around it it's it's set up nicely for a very clean uh top four who are very clearly the top four teams at this point um so ah, it's it's too neat for college football and there just has to be something crazy is going to happen and maybe it's you know you're if you're listening to this Friday maybe it's Friday night in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 championship with Utah and USC maybe something crazy happens there Uh, hopefully nothing crazy happens in Arlington on Saturday but you know I think it's it's really tough because it feels like we are in this same spot where how can TCU not be in how how can you how can you watch this entire season see what TCU did and leave the frogs out um you know michigan doesn't have to play ohio state again uh usc doesn't have to play oregon or washington at all um georgia doesn't have to play alabama doesn't have to play tennessee again And, you know, Ohio State won't be playing this weekend at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that there's a lot of national media that is on the bandwagon of of TCU should be in no matter what happens this weekend. Um, I just don't know that Boo Corrigan and whomever else is on that committee shares such an opinion. And... Uh, I know for, for my well-being, I sure hope TCU just goes out and wins on Saturday so that we don't have to worry about it and stress uh, for, for Sunday on this election show. Um, but I guess, what what do you think? Do you think TCU has done enough with the body of work as it stands and what has happened elsewhere in college football that TCU should be in this top four no matter what happens on Saturday versus number 10 Kansas State?
1: Yeah, I think... The thought that I have, and it's a thought that I've had for about a week or so now, and it's a sentiment that's reflected widely online, whether it's from uh, you know college football writers, analysts, local beat reporters, the top four teams as they stand right now, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC, those teams have all but clinched college football playoff bids. That's my opinion and I say that because we can't be talking ourselves into scenarios where we are rewarding teams like Ohio state or even Alabama that are not playing this weekend that didn't earn the right to play for conference championships. Why are we discussing hypotheticals where we are rewarding those teams and punishing teams that earn that opportunity and are playing an extra game. Um, if you were to discuss TCU losing and being dropped out in favor of Ohio state, how can you, how can you pull out a 12 win team? That's a conference finalist over an 11 win team. That's an at large that's watching at home from their couch. You you can't, I don't think you can do that logically. And the committee I think has done a lot of dumb stuff over the years, but I think should they do something like that, whether it's to USC or to TCU, I think there would need to be a very long and serious conversation about whether or not there should even be conference championship games anymore and whether or not the committee should even exist. Um, I'm, you know, honestly pretty calm about where the top four are and where they stand in terms of their playoff hopes. Like I said, I think they've pretty much clinched and this weekend is going to be about jockeying for position. And when you consider that, like you mentioned, Clemson lost, uh, LSU lost, Oregon lost. I think those were the three schools with the greatest opportunity to potentially, challenge and play their way in like if lsu beat texas a&m and then upset georgia they're probably in um
0: they would have definitely been in
1: yes yeah and and clemson had they beaten south carolina and then knocked off north carolina to win the acc at 12 and 1 there's an argument that they could be in over a two loss usc or a one loss tcu although i think tcu would probably (laughs) win that argument uh, Oregon, had they beaten Oregon State and clinched a spot in the Pac-12 title and beat USC, there would be an argument for that. But none of those things happen, and here we are now. And, and
0: Ohio State didn't just lose. They got they got stomped on their home field and, and were totally outclassed by Michigan. So it's it's not like um, Ohio State just, oh, Michigan just snuck by them. They, they didn't sneak by them. They, they blasted them.
1: Yeah, and so I think ultimately where we stand right now is I think you have a lot of folks who uh, folks who have taken the time and have put in the work and the effort to actually learn about college football and understand college football uh, for the most part reflect or share that sentiment that these top four teams have earned their spots in the playoff. I think the folks who are Pleading the cases for Ohio State or even Alabama, which is absolutely insane, considering where the Crimson Tide are at number six with two losses is not large. The the folks who are are doing that are the the stands on Twitter, the the homers, the fanboys and people who work in national media like Stephen A. Smith and, and Paul Feinbaum, who look, God bless Stephen A., I grew up, I watched a lot of first take. I watched a lot of Around the Horn. I watched a lot of PT. I used to love watching sports talk growing up in in high school and and going through college. And I think Stephen A. used to have some credibility as a sports journalist. Um, I understand he's paid a lot of money to do what he does, and I think that's great. But to see him go on national TV and discredit TCU and discredit TCU schedule while talking up Ohio State and Alabama who don't have those same credentials in terms of strength of record and strength of schedule like stop just being a loud noise in a suit like can you actually sit down and do some homework before you get on TV and spout off absolute nonsense because the problem is a lot of people watch those shows and Rely and that on. may
0: be the yes. only place they hear about TCU at all.
1: Correct, yeah, and and with Paul Feinbaum as well. And I know Paul works for the SEC Network, so you know he's going to have a little bit of a slant. But it, I, I would caution anybody who who genuinely wants to be informed about college football and learn about college football and where these teams actually stack up against each other from an objective standpoint, subscribe to your local – Papers, read up on The Athletic, uh, follow college football writers and and analysts on Twitter, and, and actually take the time to, to do your homework because it's not that difficult to be educated the right way. Um, and if we have more of that discourse, I think we won't be having to waste our time dealing with these BS hypotheticals about dropping out teams like TCU and USC for, for Ohio State and Alabama. Getting, getting off on a little bit of a, a side rail tangent no i'm rant I'm here, totally
0: but... with you and and I've got a couple more things on this so I think the Alabama thing just I, I I do not understand it I mean I think well I'll say this I understand where a lot of that conversation comes from because the committees traditionally have shown this to be important they've shown dollar bills and eyeballs and big stadiums and uh, you know big t-shirt fan bases to be a driving factor in how they make their decisions we know this to be the case we knew it in 2014 and we know it today so you know i i do understand where the there is a a cynical sector of college football fandom that i have to agree that this committee just may decide that it's whatever we, we want it to be Ohio state. So it'll be Ohio state. We want it to be Alabama. So it'll be Alabama, the end. Um, and there's nothing else you can do about it because that's who we've given the power to. Um, and no matter how many metrics or strength of record or whatever else, they'll come up with something to, to throw at the wall to say it should be what they want it to be. Um, And yes, that's cynical, but the committee has shown us nothing to the contrary. Uh, The Alabama thing, though, cracks me up because their best win is on the road at Texas on a last-second field goal um, against Hudson Card. (laughs) TCU beat that team what should have been two touchdowns, but Uh, You know, that fumble at the end from Max Duggan turns into that touchdown. But that Hudson Card offense put in work against the Alabama defense. The Quinn Ewers offense did not put in work against the TCU defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's, there's, There's no legitimate argument that Alabama has any case over TCU at one loss, TCU at two losses, no case. So get rid of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, the Ohio State thing, that's just, again, it's it's big stadiums, a lot of eyeballs, a lot of dollar bills. You're going to sell a lot of t-shirts. Um, I don't know that there's much case there either, but the Alabama thing is the worst. I mean, they how they're still even ahead of Tennessee, frankly, makes <laughs> no sense. They yeah. they got beat by Tennessee. They both have two losses. They both lost a not great SEC second game. I I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I, at, I like bro. I like I like listening to some folks on Twitter as well when they talk about uh hypothetical matchups and how like a, a USC or a TCU shouldn't get in because oh, but they will get rolled by Georgia. How do you know that? First of all, you're talking out of your butthole when you say stuff like that, because you're you're basing it off of nothing. Like if you could present some evidence that would suggest, (laughs) okay, this is going to be a really difficult matchup for team A. Here's why team B might fare better against this team. Not that it even matters at the end of the day, because the playoff is not about uh, creating matchups. It's about putting the top four. Teams in the, in the country together in a 14 playoff bracket. I, I, know, I know the, co- the committee a little, little bit B, about yeah
0: it's a little but, bit about what ESPN wants yes
1: yeah, yeah but I think look ultimately at the end of the day, USC could lose against Utah and I think they should still get in with two losses because they have a quality schedule. they beat Notre Dame, they beat UCLA. Uh, beat Oregon State, earn the opportunity to play for a conference championship, how could you punish a team for playing an extra game? It it just would not make sense to me at all. And TCU having an even stronger case with 12 wins already and several ranked wins, you you lose one game against a team that you had already beaten in the regular season. So in, in a way, okay, maybe you split with... A top ten team in the country,
0: and if it had been the other way, the
1: frogs out because right. of that. No, if it had been uh, the
0: other way around, where if TCU had lost the first game and then wins in Arlington to win the championship, well, they'd definitely be in. At mm-hmm. with one loss, they'd definitely be in. Well, I would like to think that they would definitely be in. Yeah, and and it's it's a TCU and USC have advanced beyond the point that Ohio State and Alabama have, Mm -hmm. right? It's, you know, you wouldn't say, so in the NCAA tournament, TCU loses to Arizona. Arizona then goes and like loses to Houston. That doesn't, we don't then get to see TCU play Houston in the Elite Eight. That's, you you didn't get to the next round. You're out. Um, You know, Ohio State, you had your chance to get to the next round. You didn't you're out, go yeah. play in the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl or whatever you feel like and and I'm sure everyone will watch that, and all your fans will buy your t shirts and that'll be great for e s p n as well but you're you you missed your opportunity to get into the playoff
1: yeah it's when you look at twelve game bodies of work like what we're seeing this weekend. And again, it would be different if there were teams like Oregon or lSU or Clemson that legitimately had chances to play in. the way I see it right now like this is this is like unlocking the bonus level in a yeah. video game where uh, you did the necessary work to beat the game. Now you get the bonus stage. go score some extra points and see where you stack up with the rest of the players. Um, you don't it, those teams that didn't unlock that bonus stage, why should you be rewarded? You know what I'm saying? Like, look, I, I we could go on about this, yeah, for for quite a while. But I think, I think the committee at the end of the day, is going to do the right thing. It's very difficult for me to say that. I'm kind of. It'll be
0: the first time.
1: <laughs> kind of uh, clenching my fists a little bit as I say that. But I, I genuinely think they will, do the right thing. And I guess one little item I guess we could discuss real quick is. Uh, there was some news that initially it was reported that the Rose Bowl was going to amend its contract to allow the playoff to expand earlier. It was originally reported that 2026 would be the first year we get the 12-team playoff. Now it's going to be 2024, which is it's going to come up real soon. Um, I- I'm curious. I know I had mentioned this when we first started uh, this topic, but. Are conference championship games still going to be around when the 12-team playoff comes? And I wonder that because you're potentially, and how it's going to work, for those who don't know, is if you're a Power 5 conference champion, you will be automatically in the playoff. There's going to be no discussion about hypotheticals or doing any of this dancing that we're doing right now. You're a conference champion from Power 5, you're automatically in. So, is there really any incentive to do a conference championship game, knowing that, and also knowing that, let's say you win a conference champ, you're you're a conference champion after twelve games, and you get the number five seed, you're going to have to play the round of twelve, the round of eight, which is the first bowl round, the round of four, which is the second bowl round, and the national championship. That's four extra games, on top of what could be a 13-game regular season if you do a conference championship. That's 17 games. That's an NFL schedule for for college kids. I would have a very difficult time accepting that. And maybe, maybe the players would want it. I don't know. But that's a lot of football to play.
0: That is a lot of football to play. What I'll say, I think, is it makes... I think it actually makes the conference... Championships mean more to your postseason chances because if you play a difficult opponent and win that game, you get that buy in the first round of the the twelve team playoff, mm-hmm. right? So I think the setup is that okay the top four conference champions get a buy and mm-hmm. don't have to play until the second round and that's a huge incentive. That's a that makes those games worth so much more. I mean, this this week's the Georgia game versus LSU does not matter at all. But if they were playing for an opportunity to get a bye and and a, get that week of rest and get to play, you know, uh, allow somebody else to beat up on their first opponent, that's a huge incentive to go out and win that game. Um, so I think it 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 will make more games matter. It may not make you know you may lose some of those where certain games mean everything. You know, that Michigan Ohio State game meant everything um to those team seasons. You you may lose that. That's true. But and and you know I think part of this too goes to th- the big 10 in particular right now and is continuing at least until the next year is, is keeping their division structure Mm -hmm. where, uh, one side of the division is good and the other is terrible. So yeah, in the big 10, there's no danger of playing in that, in that 13th game because you're playing a patsy that you're going to roll over 59 to nothing and it's going to be fine. Um, but if it were like in the Big Twelve where the top two teams play, or this season where in the Pac-Twelve where the top two teams play, that would be Michigan and Ohio State again facing off for a spot in the playoff. And maybe you get two teams in, maybe not. But you know, I think I think that going forward is gonna be exciting. It's gonna be fun, and it will keep more things alive for longer. It gets a, you know, a, a sixth conference champion into the playoff every year, so mm-hmm. you know somebody Tulane or Boise State or whomever gets that chance to to really prove it on the field. Um, mm-hmm. Which you know, as a TCU fan, you you gotta like to see folks getting the opportunity to prove it on the field.
1: Yep. and more guap for everybody. Can't can't forget about oh, the quad. Yeah, guap. yeah. <clears throat> ESPN's yeah. gonna love it.
0: Everybody, yeah, everybody's happy.
1: Uh, insert the insert the gif of Bugs Buddy counting his cash <laughs> up because that's there's gonna be a lot of money made over those extra playoff games for sure.
0: Most definitely. All right, so uh, you know we've we've talked a lot of hypotheticals and a lot of hand wringing about the playoff and all of that, and you know what? It may just not matter because TCU football has a game this Saturday against Kansas State where for an opportunity to win the big 12 championship, uh, you know, TCU played in the first version of this, uh, championship, and this'll be the last version in this state of the big 12. And, you know, it's, it's a huge opportunity for TCU, a very difficult game against a, a a tough opponent that gave TCU fits earlier in the season. um, how do you see this game against? It's a top ten matchup. College game day in town, Jerry World. Um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be madness. How do you see it playing out for the frogs?
1: Yeah, knowing College Game Day is gonna be there uh, gives me a little bit of a confidence boost. Just knowing historically how well the frogs have fared. Shine
0: that, on, on that spotlight on, on TCU day. and we love it.
1: Yeah. I I think it's is it eight and one, eight and one or nine and one. Yeah, on eight and one game day, 8-1. Okay, so.
0: And 2-0 and um, with that Fox, that Fox kickoff, yeah. Yep,
1: yeah, the, the Frogs know when to show up on college game day. And I think both teams, Kansas State, you know, when you think about teams immediately off the top of your head that can score a lot of points in Big 12 and have explosive offenses, you think about, or at least for me, I think about Texas Tech, I think about Oklahoma, uh, TCU for a few years. Kansas State has really rolled on the offensive side uh, over the last few games. Um, 47 points against Kansas, 48 against Oklahoma State. I believe they had 31, it was 31-3. I believe they cruised over over Baylor, I believe it was. So this team right now is really cooking on the offensive end. And it, it's not just Deuce Vaughn. And Deuce Vaughn has been really steady and playing at a really high level as everybody expected this year but Will Howard is playing unquestionably his best football of his college career when you look at his numbers over the last couple seasons compared to what he's doing now and and make no question it, they tried to make mention that Adrian Martinez he is available for this game if need be no th- this is Will Howard's this is Will Howard's game um i, I don't see any potential scenario other than if Will Howard were to get hurt, um, where Adrian Martinez would come in. He has played exceptionally well, Will Howard has, and when you look at Kansas State's receivers, it's not like Iowa State or TCU where you have that alpha dog like Quentin Johnson or Xavier Hutchinson. It's almost like 1A, 1B, and 1C between Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, and Cade Warner, so... All three of those guys have been effective this year. They've made big plays. Will Howard has very seldomly turned the ball over. Um, So offensively, Kansas State is a significantly improved bunch. And then on the defensive side, uh, Anadike Yuzama is going to be a factor in this game, much like Tyree Wilson was for Texas Tech. And when we talked about Kansas State during the regular season, he was one of the players that we talked about. How do you uh, neutralize a player like him? Um, so he's going to be a factor for sure. Uh, TCU winning the regular season matchup 38-28. to 28. I will get to our predictions a little bit later, but I think this is going to be another uh, fast-paced, potentially high-scoring game. Um, but the, the Frogs got to be ready on, on the defensive end because it, this isn't just going to be... Uh, Uh, a a Deuce Vaughn featured offense. This is a much more balanced offense and a much more talented offense when you look at the collection of of receivers that they've assembled.
0: Yeah, man, Kansas State scares me. You know, I think several weeks ago when we already knew TCU was going to be in the big 12 championship headed into the Texas game, uh, I said in our group chat, "I, I would much rather have played Texas than Kansas State or even Baylor and just I think the way that they play there's there's never going to be any quit and extremely well coached and superstar players on both sides of the ball um, so I, I think it's it's definitely going to be a challenge it's reflected in point spreads and and you know national sentiment and all of that I think there's there's a lot of backing for kansas state right now and and it's well deserved i mean will howard is is a hornfrog killer i mean he he took down tcu back in fort worth in 2020 he very nearly did again here in 22 um coming off the bench after one possession and you know i think he is he's fully capable of taking advantage of whatever tcu is going to give him um and I guess one thing on the game from in October against Kansas State that I kind of have to get off my chest because we keep hearing about how TC won this game because Kansas State's quarterback injuries. I I disagree with the premise entirely. Um, Adrian Martinez played three plays. Jake Rubley played six plays. And the rest of the game was Will Howard doing Will Howard things, and he was great, and he went on to win a bunch of games. Uh, Will Howard is their best quarterback right now, and Will Howard played all but nine plays of offensive snaps in that game. And yes, one of those was a terrible interception from Rubley, but I I, I don't really know – I at the point where – um, where Howard came out of the game for a few plays, uh, Rubley Rubley came into the game already trailing TCU. TCU had already that 18 point comeback, all of that stuff. It was already it was already done. There was no, well, because the quarterback got hurt, because Adrian Martinez, it was because Adrian Martinez got hurt that Kansas State even scored any points. Uh, Adrian Martinez wasn't doing anything against that TCU defense. Um, and whether he came into the game hobbled or not, uh, Will Howard is, was very clearly the best quarterback for this team all season. Um, I I don't know. I, I just, I get upset with that because it's a, you clearly didn't watch the game and you just like listen to some narrative about TCU hurting quarterbacks. Uh, that's not the reason why TC won that game. TC won that game because TCU's defense gave up zero points over the final 40 minutes of gameplay. Um, and if that's the kind of performance they put in on Saturday, they're going to come out and win again. And it's not going to be because Will Howard played or whomever's that quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I get a little, <laughs> I'm not, again, going off on tangents. I don't want to get too much on that, but you know, I think that's a that's a narrative that TCU's heard to kind of downgrade uh, their performances this season, and that's one of those cases where it's just it's just not true.
1: And, and let's not forget, they also had a couple opportunities to kick field goals and potentially uh miss field goals and lead a little bit. Yeah, this and it's kind of interesting thinking about that. TCU has kind of benefited from some missed field goals in some of these games when you look at Iowa State Jace Gilbert misses two uh Baylor missed a field goal Kansas State a couple missed field goals Kansas had a a missed field goal um so some of that good fortune yeah sure but your defense is also uh putting those teams in positions to have to attempt kicks from 40 yards 43 yards 45 yards and you know how kickers are in college football, man. Uh, life is like a box of chocolates because you never know what you're going to get. Uh, unless you're a TCU fan, you know what you're going to get with Griffin <laughs> Kell, and that is rock solid execution, keep except it for up. one extra point that he missed. But yeah. <laughs> anyways, um, you know, I think for, for this game, a lot of the keys are going to be the same. Um, offensively, again, the Frogs are well-rested. Quentin Johnston, I definitely believe, is going to be featured early and often in this game. Establishing the run is going to be really important, too. Uh, the Frogs kind of struggled to run the ball against Baylor. Uh, Iowa State, Kendra Miller did rush for 72 yards and, and two touchdowns, so it was nice to see a little bit of of success there. But uh, TCU is going to need to to really establish the run in this game, and I think that's also going to help take... Uh, Uzama out of being a factor is how how do you neutralize a big time pass rusher? Well you run the ball you find ways to roll the quarterback out of the pocket or get the ball out quickly uh, continue to use the running backs out of the backfield the way TCU has over these last couple of games. Um, Targeting tight ends like Jared Wiley and Jaquarius Spivey over the middle, taking advantage of some soft zone coverage. Jared Wiley had his best game of the season against Kansas State. He had five catches for 74 yards and a touchdown. So uh, it'll be interesting if TCU looks his way quite a bit in this one. He's been kind of quiet since then. But, um, you know, for, for TCU, offensively, establish the run. I expect a pretty heavy dosage of Quinton Johnston and then, for Max Duggan, I think, and I'm not trying to be this guy, but could this be a Heisman moment for him? Um, I think the Baylor game, I think the Baylor game and the Iowa State game essentially sealed the invitation. Right? You could potentially go out and and make your stake for the Heisman Trophy with a big 12 championship and a 13 and O season and a dominant performance and um not, not trying to put too much pressure on him, obviously. And I don't think Max is the kind of player to, you just, you listen to the way that he talks and the way he conducts himself. I don't think that's uh noise that he really listens to, but
0: no, not um, at all. And, and, you know, I think the, the odds on that are, don't represent the percentage chance that it happens. I think, Duggan is the second um, in the odds behind Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is minus twenty five hundred, so that's an over overwhelming favorite. Extreme. You, you pay twenty five hundred to win a hundred dollars if he wins. <laughs> Duggan is plus two thousand, where you, you pay a hundred dollars, you win two thousand dollars if he wins. That's that's a uh, he's a big underdog even at the second best odds, but there's absolutely a case or a situation that could happen this weekend where Caleb Williams comes out and is not good against Utah. And they lose for the second time to the same team. And he puts on a terrible performance where Max comes out and has an amazing game to beat a top 10 team and win a a conference title. So there's there's a percentage chance that that happens and i think it's better than what those odds
1: are reflecting Mm -hmm. yeah and i think uh some other keys for this game as we look at uh tcu defensively i think deuce vaughn is still priority one um as well as will howard has played you still have to make him beat you um TCU at times has struggled to set the edge in the run game and you can't do that against Deuce Vaughn. If Deuce Vaughn is able to get outside the tackle box in space, you're going to have problems. Um, and he was able to break off a long run for a touchdown, uh, when Kansas state took that big lead early in the game the first time. So, uh, stopping him is going to be paramount, obviously, but, uh, if Will Howard winds up throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns, you tip your cap and you move forward. I I would, yeah, I I would, I would take my chances with him beating, beating us as opposed to Deuce Vaughn getting, you know, 20 carries for 185 yards and two touchdowns or something like that.
0: Yeah. I, I hear you there. And, and, I will say I think you said something similar before the last game and as Kansas State was running up points I was like this this dude <laughs> he said if we if they score a bunch of passing touchdowns that's going to be fine and it turned out you were right it was fine but man I was like god I can't believe it we said that on the air but that was recorded that we said it was okay to throw all those touchdowns yeah no I hear what you're saying because Deuce Vaughn is it it, it all goes through him and he's he is a one of a kind type player that is you know, you really just kind of have to contain him. You're not going to be able to stop him. So mm-hmm. TCU did a pretty relatively good job of that in the first matchup. I mean, he didn't get to a hundred yards. He had a couple catches. He had a, he had a big breakout touchdown run, but, um, you know, he didn't, he didn't dominate the game like he's capable of. And that was, that was a win. That's enough of a win for a defense against a Deuce Vaughn.
1: One thing I will add, um, TCU knows that will Howard will start this game. I think that will definitely help as compared to last time where he came into the game after an injury. And that's happened a couple times to the frogs this season. You think about the Kansas game when Jalen Daniels goes out and Jason bean comes in and looks like uh, the second coming of Jason white. Um, The frogs are going to have time to game plan for will Howard now. So you would hope that that extra prep time and, again, having some rest, not playing a whole lot of snaps against Iowa State will help this time around, and and I think the defense is going to come out and be better prepared in this game. This defense has found ways to turn the ball over recently. Uh, Trey Tomlinson has made some significant plays. Josh Newton, uh, the secondary is at full health Miller Bradford looks great. Bud Clark looks great. Uh, Dylan Horton quietly has had a really nice season, uh, with four and a half sacks and someone who is a a defensive end in a four, three, having to play a different technique and, uh, bulk up significantly has, has played a really nice season despite that. Uh, and is definitely deserving of that captain's badge. So, um, I'm excited. I think it's gonna be a, a great game. I think it's gonna be a lot there's gonna be a lot of back and forth. Um I expect some fireworks. I I'm, I'm excited for it.
0: Alright, so how do you see what what's your what's your score? Did we give a final score yet?
1: Um, my prediction, so TCU right now is favored by two and a half. I believe the total was sixty two, which that seems low to me. Given how Kansas State has performed offensively over the last three games. Um I think Kansas State is averaging close to 40 points, if not over 40 points a game over the last three weeks. So uh, that seems low to me, but of course I'm picking the Frogs to win and cover the spread. My prediction is going to be TCU 45, Kansas State 34. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I expect both teams to combine for anywhere from eight to 900 yards, potentially even over nine hundred yards in this game, I think Will Howard's going to play well. I think Max Duggan is going to play better. I think the frogs are going to be able to run the ball. They're going to avoid giving up those big sacks. They're going to protect the football, and I see them winning the Big Twelve championship and and keeping this thing going at thirteen and zero.
0: Oh yeah, man, love it. I so in the summertime previewing the season i had tcu beating kansas state 31 to 30 in the game in october i stuck with that tcu winning 31 to 30 and i'm I'm sticking with it here tcu 31 30 is going to continue to be my projection i think these teams are still very evenly matched and I, with this total tcu does not cover the spread and it goes under uh the 62 but uh I think it's going to be a thriller in at and stadium on Saturday night or Saturday morning, afternoon, Saturday, Saturday morning. Right <laughs> uh, yeah, get out there early. Uh, go, go see the Heim barbecue has been saying that they're going to set up a free tailgate out there. So get yourself some barbecue, the best, the best in the world. Um, go, <laughs> go check out game day, get your signs up, uh, show show them whatever clever hypno toad you've got out there um and and get into jerry world for that 11 a.m kickoff it's going to be a purple party in in arlington and hopefully it's the uh, tcu shade of purple that that comes out celebrating at the end of the day raising the trophy on high um i think that's all we've got for football we will quickly hit some other things um Really quickly because we've we've already gone past our time limit and we thank you for sticking with us. But uh, basketball had several key games this week um, and, and over the last week. So th- through the Thanksgiving break, took down two wins in Destin, Florida in the Emerald Coast Classic. Came home with the trophy, um, taking down terrible California team uh, one, one of the, I, I watched a little bit of that game, man, that was some really bad basketball being played on both sides of that game. But, uh, TCU ends up coming with a kind of a dominant win in the end, Mike Miles takes over, uh, but then got a really nice matchup against Iowa, number 25 at the time, Iowa. And, uh, you know, no, no Damian Ball still in that game, no Emmanuel Miller and TCU really took it to him. Uh, you know, it was, a complete takedown of, of the Hawkeye state as the same night as the TCU's victory over Iowa state in football. So, you know, the, the entire state of Iowa belongs to the TCU athletics department and TCU basketball gets those two big wins, uh, in the Thanksgiving week. There was also, uh, the big East Big Twelve showdown, battle, whatever they call that non-conference uh, contest between the two conferences. But um, with Providence in Shawmy Arena in Fort Worth, and uh, TCU really looked looked really good in that one. Damian Ball was back, and it showed. Uh, he brought he brought that shooting from long range back. Uh, he brought that distribution. Five assists in the game. Eddie Lambkin finally played his best game of the season. Uh, really went off double-double, 16 points, 12 rebounds. Um, looked like he was everywhere on the court, having a good time again. Uh, this was the team we were expecting to see coming into the season, and they're they're really rounding into form here as we come into that December closing down the, the non-conference schedule.
1: Yeah, the California game to start off the Emerald Coast tournament, uh, That that was very much the team that we've seen over the early part of the season where... Uh, the offense was just completely broken. Shots were not going in, but uh, much like the Lamar game where Mike Miles just said, F it, I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> he came out and scored 23 points and actually came off the bench in that game. He was just coming back from his uh, the bone bruise that he had suffered in his foot. So it was nice to see him come off the bench and be able to play uh, a good amount of minutes and, and score the ball and kind of shoulder the load in that game. Uh, like you said, the Iowa game was was terrific. You had uh, a couple key guys who typically come off the bench, and Micah Peavy and Xavier Cork, who really kind of shined in this game. Xavier Cork had 10 points and 2 blocks. Micah Peavy had 16 points and 8 rebounds. Uh, really has gotten into a rhythm, is averaging just over 10 points a game on the season, and uh, a player that's not really a much of a perimeter shooter, but has found ways to score around the basket and be effective um as well as being a really solid defender. So if Micah Peavy can continue to play like this going into Big Twelve conference play, it's going to be a huge boost for uh TCU and, and TCU shot almost fifty five percent from the field in that game. Uh out rebounded Iowa forty one to twenty eight and at the end of the day it's a ranked win. So Um, I think some folks were a little surprised that TCU didn't rejoin the top 25 after that, but they did lose to Northwestern State at home. You cannot do that. However, I think you could make a case after beating Providence on Wednesday that they might be legitimate candidates for being in the top 25 now. Um, Eddie Lampkin, Jamie Dixon said, had been dealing with a little bit of an illness as well as a, a minor injury. Sounds like he's doing a lot better. Uh, 7 of 11 from the floor, 16 and 12. Chuck O'Bannon and Mike Miles both had 12 points, and uh, Emmanuel Miller had 10 points. He didn't play in that Emerald Coast tournament. with. Uh, he tweaked his back, I guess, and they didn't want to risk uh, putting him out there, but was happy to see him back on the floor. They they had their, their starting five from last year, and it looked like the same team we saw last season. Micah Peavy had 13 points off the bench. And and Damian Baugh, first season debut, uh, filling up the stat sheet. I, I think last year he averaged 10-5-5 five five roughly, and you look at the stats from the Providence game, 10 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 steals. Like that's, I'll take that to the bank all day long, when you can have a player that impacts the game all the way around like that. So uh, really happy to see TCU get back to form and look like the team that closed out the season last year. And, uh, you got a couple significant games coming up. You play SMU, you play Utah, got a couple, uh, low, lower level opponents mixed in there, but then it's big 12 conference tip off time. So, uh, hopefully TCU will continue to, to have success against some of those tougher non-conference foes before they get into the big 12 slate.
0: That's great. And, uh, TCU Volleyball also earned a, a bid into the Volleyball NCAA Tournament uh, as an at-large team. They were third in the Big 12 uh, conference this season. So excellent regular season uh, for for the Horn Frogs there, uh, first season under new head coach. And they get to travel – to uh to lovely i'm sure it's wonderful in december in madison wisconsin this time of year um but uh get to get to go take on eight seed washington in the first round where if they do emerge victorious they they have to take on one seed wisconsin who uh, beat them pretty handily in My arena to open the season um anything else on the volleyball russ uh
1: you know just Congratulations to the to the program, uh, Jason Williams, in his first year as the head coach. We've talked about volleyball a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but uh, as a TCU fan, really excited to see the turnaround of the program. They finished sixteen and ten overall in the regular season, eleven and five in the Big Twelve, which is the best finish in, in school history in the Big Twelve Conference. Uh, first tournament bid since 2016, and only the fourth tournament bid in school history. So, uh, a really significant accomplishment. And uh, clinching as an at-large, uh, at-large team, they'll get Washington in the first round, like you said, and that'll be f- uh, tomorrow. Which once this podcast goes live, will be today. Um, and then Wisconsin gets Quinnipiac. Wisconsin's going to win. So it'll be Wisconsin in the in the next round, and. And as you mentioned, that's a really tough matchup. Would like to see at least one win uh in, in the tournament. I think that, that would be awesome and, and can generate a lot of positive momentum going into the off-season, going into next season. Um but cheer on the Frogs. I know they'll be streaming that match uh against Washington on the NCAA website. I believe it might be streaming on ESPN as well. So if you got a ESPN Plus account, go ahead and tune in. Uh, If you're on NCAA, go ahead and tune in there as well. and Root for the Frogs as they look to make a little bit of noise in in, in the postseason here in volleyball.
0: Absolutely. Exciting times for the Horned Frogs. Uh, We're going to let you all go here today. Really uh, appreciate you listening. Thanks for following us on Twitter at Frogs of War, on Facebook, on YouTube. we will certainly have game thread and live tweet coverage of the big football game this weekend. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's exciting times and, you know, hopefully my, uh, my flight in the morning all goes smooth and I get back to Texas and, uh, can, can get there to, to be in AT&T stadium for the game on Saturday against Kansas state. Really looking forward to it. I think it's it's going to be a great one, and uh, could be an all time incredible moment for the Horn Frogs to to have the opportunity to win that that trophy and lock in a spot in the college football playoff.
1: Absolutely, looking forward to it. It's going to be an awesome weekend, that's for sure.
0: All right, with that, we'll let you go. Thanks. Go frogs.
1: Go frogs.